What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Tea nourishes and inspires. It is the most ancient of plant-based medicines, simultaneously energizing the body as it soothes the mind. Making tea is an art and craft as described on the Tea Biz portal. Intimately local, the 200 billion tea trade exerts global influence employing millions to enhance the well-being of all. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Funding initiatives at the UN Climate Summit are vital to tea as prevention gives way to funding repairs. Bangladesh production rebounds after this summer strike and a tea tourism handbook elevates immersive travel. Plus, explore with us exotic Jeju Island off the coast of South Korea, where wild orchard regenerative tea is grown. Michael D. Ham, co-founder and company president, describes in detail the biodiverse cultivation and multiple washing of leaves while processing these award-winning teas. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliftia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Globally, the tea industry contributes to climate change, and its stakeholders are climate change victims. Monies initially committed to prevention must now also fund repairs. Tea growers are stewards of vast tracts of land. Worldwide, there are 3.94 million hectares, almost 10 million acres under tea, 9 million of the 13 million people employed in the global tea industry are smallholder farmers, producing 60% of the world's tea, according to the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United States. Tea is cultivated in many of the 27 development countries that were the focus of discussion by world leaders at the COP27 summit in Egypt this week. 
It is now apparent that resources must be allocated to respond to climate change crises. In 2022, China's record heat wave desiccated tea farms while Pakistanis and Assam growers were forced to tread water. Quote, we cannot ignore the race to resilience in our race to zero, end quote, says Dr. Mohamed Mohilin, a UN climate change high-level champion for Egypt. Developing countries will need $1 trillion a year in external financing by 2030 to cut emissions, boost resilience, restore land, and repair damage caused by increasingly destructive climate events, according to a report released by COP27 organizers. The report was jointly financed by hosts Egypt and the United Kingdom. Developing countries face $2.4 trillion in costs, a sum beyond government budgets that will require investment by the private sector, both foreign and domestic. Governments should double to $60 billion the monies available for low-interest loans. Available disbursements from development banks should be tripled, and loans made available at favorable rates, according to Vera Songwe, one of several authors of the report. She writes that, quote, countries must have access to affordable, sustainable, low-cost financing from the multilateral development banks to help crowd investments from the private sector and philanthropy, end quote. Currently, a third, that's 702, of the world's largest companies have publicly committed to net zero operations. In addition, 550 banks and investment companies have aligned their portfolios with net zero targets, but virtually all are narrowly focused on meeting mitigation targets. Jennifer Morris, CEO of the Nature Conservancy, explains in a World Economic Forum article that, quote, a lot of countries are unable to adapt because of increased debt burdens. She said that public debt in developing countries rose from 40% of GDP to an average of 62% of GDP, adding that funds enabling 61% of climate projects were raised as debt, of which only 12% was low-cost loans. Business Insight Developed nations have still not met the $100 billion goal for contributions set for 2020. Egypt is the first developing nation to host a COP summit since 2016. Leaders of developing nations are urging follow-through on stated financial commitments by developed countries. Favorable weather across Bangladesh led to a 17% gain in tea production during the first half of the year, suggesting a record-breaking 100 million kilo harvest was likely. In August, striking workers muted those expectations. Very little tea went to auction for five or six weeks, slowing the record-setting pace. Now it appears the record is within reach. The turning point was September when factories produced 14.7 million kilos of tea, the highest monthly total in 2022, according to the Bangladesh Tea Board. October totals were 14.58 million kilos, raising the harvest to almost 80 million kilos going into November. 
The 2021 year-end total was 96.5 million kilos, reflecting 10-year growth of 54%. Agent Dev Berman, senior manager of National Brokers, one of the country's biggest tea brokers, told the DACA Tribune this would be the year that production tops 1 million kilos. Mohamed Alam, deputy manager at Halda Valley Tea Company, told T-Biz that the November harvest would decide the matter. Quote, Winter fog is already in the garden areas, which is not a good sign for tea as production declines, he said, adding, a positive sign is that our gardens are pest and disease-free at this stage, end quote. Quote, the contribution by smallholder farmers in the north will play a vital role in this calculation, he said. Last year, their contribution was around 15%, or roughly 14 million kilos, out of the 96 million kilo crop. My guess is their contribution will be 20% this year, but with a shortage of chemical fertilizer, this prediction may be wrong in the end, he said. I visited some gardens in Fremengal last week, and there were lots of flushes in the sections, but he cautioned, Symptoms of labor's unhappy movement are still visible in traditional trade gardens. It may also become a barrier to reaching 100 million kilo crop production. The Bangladesh Tea Board set a production target of 70 to 80 million kilos for the year. Tea lands in the north produced two-thirds of the total. In past years, plantations consistently produced 2 to 2.5 million kilos more than predicted. Tea tourism is more than an overnight stay in a quaint tea bungalow and a stroll in the garden. Meaningful interactions introduce visitors to local tea culture, unique tea processing techniques, and natural and historical surroundings. Tourists can explore the environment on ecotourism hikes along tea trails with spectacular vistas or engage in spiritual tourism by visiting temples on pilgrimages and enjoy gastronomic tourism that reveals the delights of culinary tea while dining. The Rutledge Handbook of Tea Tourism is a new compendium that provides comprehensive and cutting-edge insights into global tea tourism. The book features contributions from scholars and experts in 19 countries. These experts debate the importance and challenges of tea tourism in the 21st century and discuss new opportunities. For example, UNESCO announced it would review the joint nomination by Turkey and Azerbaijan for the culture of K a symbol of identity, hospitality, and social interaction for inscription in the representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. The initial meeting to consider the designation is in December. Quote, The UNESCO recognition would create awareness of the need to protect this heritage, which is part of the resource for tea tourism, says Dr. Lee Joliffe, visiting professor hospitality, and tourism management at Ulster University in Northern Ireland. Jalif is the lead editor of the Tourism Handbook, which is available in hardback and downloadable ebook. The 350-page book describes tea as an agricultural product of exotic lands. 
Brewing the leaf into a beverage provides a connection to nature, the tea workers, and tea landscapes, the production areas. These are all experiences that are inherent in tea tourism, whether through preparing the beverage at home from souvenir teas purchased during travel, consuming it at a local cafe or in a tea course, or visiting tea workers in the tea fields and factories where it was produced and experiencing local culture firsthand. Dr. Jolief says, quote, The book provides the opportunity to bring together academics and practitioners. Tea tourism is important to the tea industry as a way to promote tea and knowledge about tea and supplement and diversify income at tea-producing locations. End quote. Business Insight The Routledge Handbook, published by Routledge Taylor and Francis Group in the U.K., is available November 29th as a hardback, an ebook that sells for $47. Visit Routledge, R-O-U-T-L-E-D-G-E dot com to order. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending November 5th, 2022. In this week's news, the possible addition of rubber cultivation to Assam's tea estates was announced. Earlier this year, the state government amended the Assam Fixation of Ceiling on Landholding Act to allow up to 5% of the total land of a tea garden to be used for tourism, cultivation of agri-crops or animal husbandry. The rubber board is now looking at rubber plantation in the periphery of the tea estates. This would help meet the demand for natural rubber in the country while also offsetting some of the losses from tea planting. Already Tripura state in this region, where tea is cultivated, is the second largest producer of rubber in India. In auctions at sale 34, Kolkata saw, good, saw a strong demand for orthodox tea with the Middle East and CIS countries active. Other grades also did well. Major blenders were active for dust grades and Hindustan Unilever continued to be active for CTC and Darjeeling grades. Prices for CTC and dust were slightly lower than the previous week, but Darjeeling saw average prices go up by 63 rupees. Hindustan Unilever was the main buyer. Hindustan Unilever was the main buyer, picking up about 20% of the tea on offer for an average of 487 rupees per kilo. In Guwahati, there was good demand for both leaf and dust, with major blenders active for leaf and Hindustan Unilever active for dust. In the south, Cochin saw 100% of orthodox dust and 97% of CTC dust sold. Prices remained similar to the previous week. Uh, dust grades also did well in Kunur. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple to operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time, and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. 
This week, T-Biz explores the exotic Jeju Island off the coast of South Korea, where wild orchard regenerative tea is grown. Michael D. Ham, co-founder and president of the company, describes in detail the cultivation and multiple washings during processing of these award-winning teas. The result is a clean, authentic taste as nature intended, he said. Jeju Island lies 130 kilometers off the southern coast of South Korea in the Korea Strait. Dormant for the past 5,000 years, Halasan Mountain is a 1,950-meter volcanic wonderland of craters, cinder cones, and giant lava tubes that dominates the densely foliated island. Popular with tourists for its national park and scenic beaches, the island is also known for its tea. Wild Orchard sources all its tea from a thousand-acre garden planted in 1999. The nutrient-dense soil, gentle mist, and abundant wildlife led growers to plant tea seeds on hillsides that were not terraced or cleared of native plants. Irrigation is solely by rainfall. There are no fertilizers, pesticides, or herbicides applied, and the soil is never tilled. The farm was certified organic in 2007, and the Wild Orchard brand was established in 2019. In May of this year, the brand became the world's first regenerative organic certified tea. It was selected by Noma, the world's best restaurant, to be served on their New York City menu and will soon be available for sale at the Rare Tea Counter at Fortnum & Mason's Tea Shop in London. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us on the Tea Biz Podcast. Congratulations on your three prize-winning teas recognized this month at the inaugural International Tea Academy Leafies. I've been enthusiastic about your work for some time. Thank you. First of all, Dan, thank you for allowing me to introduce Wild Orchard on your show. And to add to that, thank you for all your contributions over the past decades to our industry. Will you begin by explaining the basics of regenerative agriculture? It's not a marketing term at Wild Orchard, but in fact, a heartfelt commitment to biodiversity and rehabilitating soil. Our farm was established in 1999. They didn't know the term regenerative. They just had the vision and mindset to create the cleanest, purest teas in an, on a volcanic island that they felt was ideal for growing teas. So they wanted to allow nature to do its work. They didn't want to put any man-made inputs. So to this day, no herbicides, no pesticides, no fertilizer. Everything has been done through nature. Uh, all the rainfall, all the irrigation is done purely by rainfall. It's really a testament to the philosophy that uh, our teas were able to obtain regenerative organic certification earlier this year, the first uh, Camellius sinensis teas to have obtained that aspirational uh, certification. Tea readily adapts to its environment. If that environment has high amounts of lead in the atmosphere, toxins in the water, and a climate where the plants are alternately parched or flooded, the finished tea will reflect that in the cup. At Wild Orchard, tea coexists with other plants. 
But that's not an idyllic existence, as plants must fight off pests and disease and struggle to establish a root system to deliver essential nutrients and minerals. Will you share with listeners some of the challenges of regenerative cultivation? So we are living in a vastly different world than he has grown in for centuries. Uh, Specifically, the demarcation line is the Industrial Revolution with the advent of uh, machinery, fossil fuels. Today, we're living in a world where there's a, a massive pollution in our water table, in the air. And as you mentioned, tea is a bioremediator. It absorbs a lot from its surroundings, both under the earth, in the soil, and above ground. And so to be able to create a clean environment for the teas results in a more authentic, uh, pure tea. That's the philosophy that our farm has, to be able to grow tea in living soil, greater nutrient density, more antioxidants, but also flavor, and have that move all the way into the cup for the consumer to taste at its purest form. That's really what regenerative is about in terms of the authenticity of tea. What techniques and technology do you rely on to make prize-winning teas? So there are uh, so many things that go into producing prize-winning teas, but if I had to choose one specific technique or method, I think that it would be that we wash our tea leaves four times and not just with regular tap water. So we keep any equipment that comes into contact with the tea leaves clean. And uh, our farmers are very conscientious about hygiene. So this might be the most basic of basics, but I think this is an extraordinary process that we have. I don't know anyone else in the world that does this. And of course, techniques and know-how regarding like the various stages of processing tea need to be performed at a high level. But with first principles in mind, the tea leaves need to be clean first and foremost in order for the pure aroma of the tea leaf to reach the cup. And uh, I think this mindset and vision from our farmers to grow teas as nature has intended and allow people to drink tea that tastes the way it should inherently has really led to Wild Orchard, and I'm going to humble brag here, being honored with 15 awards at the top global tea competitions. And it's really an ode to the farmers and um, their vision to just let nature have the biggest impact in growing the teas. Can you really taste the difference? You definitely can taste it. And uh, that's why I believe uh, as a prize winning tea that judges can taste the authenticity of the tea, the way that tea should be tasted inherently. But the best way to explain why that's the case is because when you farm or grow teas regeneratively, you are uh, growing it in living soil. It's pulling in more nutrients. And and then because the ecosystem is so clean with the biodynamic uh, functioning of animals with the teas, with the agroforestry component. Everything is working in concert with each other to elevate the quality of the tea. As you said, monocultures, you're just focusing on one. So it's very, very limited in the ability to provide a tea leaf that's optimal to the way that it should be grown, that's been grown for thousands of years. So when you taste a tea that's grown conventionally, you will definitely taste elements of 
toxins, pesticides, these chemicals that should not be in the tea leaf. But when it's done regeneratively, you're getting the most out of that tea leaf without all of these man-made elements. What do the competition judges have to say about the winning teas? Well, we won in three categories. So the green tea pan-fired, uh, which was our first flush green tea. And when when speaking to the judges, they were talking about the aesthetics of the leaf before brew, after brew, obviously the aroma, and then the taste. And when they look at the taste, they really look at the authentic uh, Camellia Senate's green tea taste. And I think the reason why we won an award is because uh, all of these regenerative elements in terms of growing the leaf and making sure that that core element of the Camellia sinensis non-oxidized into the green leaf could come out in that taste. I think that's really what did it. The other two categories were our green uh, tea scented tea uh, and uh, our blended tea. And those mix the green tea with fruit notes and things like oranges, lemons, strawberry, fruit notes. And uh, that's a different type of tea, but once again, it adds another element. And so the judges were also looking at similar characteristics, how it looked before brew, after brew, and then the taste. So I think the regenerative, uh, the way of farming, it just pronounces the taste much more cleanly and purely. And that's what the judges appreciated. What are the long-term prospects for regenerative certified tea? Our regenerative certification is... uh provided or given out by the Regenerative Organic Alliance that was founded by the Rodale Institute. Many well-known uh, premium organic brands like Dr. Bronner's and Nature's Path. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of um, uh, weight or uh, reputation behind this certification. They, uh, they pretty much set the highest standards for uh, soil health animal welfare, and farm worker fairness. Those are the three major components. And you have to go through a robust auditing process. Took us two years to obtain. And uh, they spent about three, four days on our farm, an auditor, going through many, many elements through those three core pillars. And only when you achieve a base amount can you, uh, you know, can you uh, qualify for regenerative organic certification? And they have the uh, bronze, silver, and gold level. So depending on how much you achieve in that audit and what standards you've you've achieved, uh, you get these uh, different levels of certification. But now um, more and more brands, if you go to the supermarket, you're going to start to see more regenerative out there. And it's really the way I put it simply is it's it goes beyond the simple organic certification because you're focusing on the soil. There's also the animal component, a welfare component, and the farm worker fairness. So it's really holistic, and it gives the consumer an idea that, wow, this product went through extra lengths to provide or produce a product that is not only good for me but for the environment. So shifting the topic from prize-winning teas to climate-smart teas – uh, recently, uh, you reported on it, but well-respected tea brands such as Tazo and traditional medicinals have stated that they are also committing to transitioning their portfolios to regenerative. Why is this important? There's clearly an opportunity to make impact at scale. Studies show that regenerative farms are three to six times more profitable than conventional. 
And the market for regenerative products, albeit in early stages now, continues to gain interest and grow. So if our industry starts to shift from conventional to regenerative, as we're seeing in other sectors, we can have a tremendous impact on addressing our global health and climate crisis. And uh, to add to that, regenerative practices will allow tea farms to be more resilient and protect smallholder tea farmers amidst the growing climate changes. So as you explained, what, what what's the yield issue? Just this summer, you reported uh, China's extreme heat and its effect on the tea farms. But if they had regenerative baked into their operations, they would have been more resilient and they would have had more yield. So uh, in terms of the yield, you have to look at it in the context of today's climate challenges. And regenerative will allow tea farmers not only to create a higher quality product or tea, they will be able to future proof uh, as much as possible to the extent that they're farming regeneratively to fight off against all of these floods and heat and all these climate issues that that we're facing on an ever-growing track each year. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage that's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.